Today's reading comes from Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 20. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Do not not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The Lord be with you. Amen. I will have a confession to make that when it comes to preaching about the Beatitudes, I always feel frustrated uh, uh, preaching for the Beatitudes, mainly because um, unless you're going to take the next six months of sermons, um, you really can't do it justice. It needs teaching moments, teaching moments where you can take time and cultivate because there's a lot going on all throughout. If you never um, kind of investigated much the Sermon on the Mount, um, it's Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. And yet there's so much going on. I mean, right at the very beginning, Jesus goes up to the Mount, which is so like Matthew, because Matthew has these constant, um, you might say triggers to remind people of who Jesus is and what he represents. Um, For example, let's say you turn on Monday Night Football five years from now, I'm just making a prediction, and suddenly Arch Manning is taking the field. What does that tell you? All right. That tells you that the quarterback has a certain lineage, a degree, an aptitude, right, when he's taking that field. For Matthew, he's constantly reminding the Jewish community about the lineage, degree, and aptitude of Jesus as the Messiah. For example, who came down from the mountain to bring God's law? Moses, yeah, yeah. So now, who is now going up the mountain to kind of deliver his sermon here? Jesus. So these little connections are all throughout. So I decided to hone in on one little phrase that I think it's very important before we ever get to that phrase at the end of just this scripture that says you might lose some of that salt and light. Um, So before we do that, let's open with a word of prayer. Let us pray. Father, it is your grace and blessing. You've called us to remind us that we're blessed to remind us that we are salt, to remind us that we are light. Uh, Hone into us this kingdom revolution that you have at work in the world through your hands. For it is in your holy name we pray. Amen. So so last week, for those who were here, uh, Reverend Keith preached from last week and started to look at the Beatitudes by reminding everyone that they are what? Blessed. All right. Some of you weren't here or you slept through the sermon. 
Uh, I, I will, I will let that slide, but to remind you that you are blessed and that everything will good will happen to you in your Christian walk from here on out, right? <laughs> I hit it. Absolutely, right? <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> regardless, uh, what it, the blessings there from the Beatitudes, the very beginning is to remind you that regardless of your scene, your setting, and your circumstances, you are blessed um, because of God with us from Christ. Jesus is reminding us that the scene, the setting, the circumstance has nothing to do with the fact that you can be blessed, you can be happy even in the midst of those scenes. Blessed are the humble, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the peacekeepers, blessed are you when they say all manner of evil against you, blessed are those who are persecuted for my sake. So, um, so in other words, Jesus begins with these statements about wherever you are, then it is a moment to receive that blessing. If for no other reason, because Jesus, the Messiah, who Matthew reminds us is called Emmanuel, which means God with who? Us. Yeah. And then these verses come. Jesus begins to tell everyone they are salt and they are light. Not for what you have or don't have. Not for who you know or don't know. Not for what you have or what you don't have. But simply this. Because Jesus, the Messiah, claims you and that Jesus is with you, therefore light. So I'd like to center in on just these verses. So I'll read them again. From verse 14 through 16, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So, um, I'll be honest, every, every time that I hear the phrase that you, you know, you were the light, it reminds me of that children's song that we sing at Vacation Bible School. You know, this little light of, right, I'm going to let it. Yeah, good, you've heard it, you remember. <laughs> good, good. Um, you know, this little light of mine's. I imagine some of us immediately go back and immediately go back to suddenly your finger went up as soon as you started speaking it, right? I saw one or two. Don't, don't be ashamed. It's okay. So, um, I think what happens, though, is when we say that word little in front of it, it's a little bit like deer or sweet. It tames it. It takes the power a little bit out of it. Um, if you're not familiar with some of the history of this song, it's actually an African-American spiritual. It was sung, as I understand it, and... Uh, in many black churches many years ago, just as they were preparing to leave the church and go out into the world. But most significantly, this song was joined with We Shall Overcome to become one of the anthems of the civil rights movement. It was sung as freedom fighters prepared to go out and make a witness in the world. So I would hold that image along with that child's image to bring them a little closer to those who are willing to go out and make sacrifices because of this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. It's based on the Gospel of Matthew when Jesus says to us, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid, so let your light so shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. So, um, it's a kingdom revolution that is at work. There's no kindergarten 
acuteness. This is what is called a kingdom strategy. It's the realm of God strategy that Jesus introduces to them that day. Something so radical that many did not get it, and many of us still today are struggling still so hard to get it. Um, it's even more remarkable when you realize that in the New Testament, light is associated with titles for Jesus. He is called the light of the world, the light to the Gentiles. The Gospel of John especially uses this metaphor of light to describe who Jesus is and what he has come for. In him was light, and that light was the life of the world. The light has come into the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Yeah. So when Jesus says, you are the light of the world, let your light shine so before others they may see your good works. What he is saying is there's a revolution at work in the world, that if you follow me, then your vocation is no different than mine. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Now you are the light of the world. Through my life, through my works, through my love, I brought other people back to God. Reconciliation, atonement, atonement came about in people now so that others may live through me because they have seen the channel. So let your light shine that you may do the same thing. This is a revolution at work in the world. There's um, another old song that this light of the world reminds me of. Um, it's a song I was introduced to just a, a couple of decades ago. Um, it's a song called Let the Lower Lights Be Burning. I don't know if anyone has, has heard it. Um, so here are a few of the words. Brightly beams our Father's mercy from his lighthouse evermore, but to us he gives the keeping of the lights along the shore. Um, now, it's, it's an old hymn. You won't find it in our Methodist hymnals over there in the sanctuary. I didn't grow up singing it. In fact, I found it many years ago on a Christmas compilation album sung by Sting. <laughs> and in only his beautiful voice of style of singing, it made me pay attention to the words. And I saw there a power in those words. Uh, Let the lower lights be burning, send a gleam across the wave. Some poor fainting, struggling seaman, you may rescue, you may save. So, um, when I listened again to that, that song a few more times, I thought, well, let me, let me investigate this. It was written by Philip Bliss over a century ago. And he was an itinerant musician, as, well, many of the musicians at that time were. And I uh, traveled around the world teaching music, giving performances, singing. Um, but for a while, he was living in Chicago. And while he was there, he attended the evangelist Dwight L. Moody's um, kind of great sermons. And Moody gave a sermon that day that he visited and talked about a ship that was trying to find Cleveland Harbor in the midst of a storm and the darkness of night. And the story goes, the captain could see the lighthouse, and as he drew near, he shouted out to the lighthouse keeper, is this Cleveland? And the lighthouse keeper shouted back, quite true, sir. And the captain asked, where are the lower lights? And the lighthouse keeper says, they've gone out. Can you make the harbor? And the captain replied, we must or we will perish. And with that, he sailed the ship into the harbor passed the lighthouse, missed the channel, and was dashed upon the rocks. Um, it's a 
terrible tragedy. Many people were killed. And um, as Moody in, in his, I guess, grand performance kind of brought that in the stillness, everyone's quiet, then Moody brought the story home with these words. He said, brothers and sisters, the master will take care of the lighthouse. Let us keep the lower lights burning. Now, until I heard that story, I didn't know what lower lights were. I thought that's just kind of cool. <laughs> Maybe uh, some good LED lights at the movie theater, kind of keeping the tracks ready, but let the lower lights be burning. The lower lights are the lights away from the lighthouse that illumine the waterline. They enable the ships to come into the harbor at night through the narrow channel of the arbor's mouth. Impressed by that, Bliss went home and wrote these words. And here some other verses. Brightly beams our Father's mercy from his lighthouse evermore, but to us he gives the keeping of the lights along the shore. Dark the night of sin has settled, loud the angry billows roar, eager eyes are watching, longing for the lights along the shore. Trim your feeble lamp, my brother, some poor seaman tempest-tossed, trying now to make the arbor in the darkness may be lost. Let the lower lights be burning, send a gleam across the wave. Some poor fainting, struggling seamen, you may rescue, you may save. Now upon reading that and then reading the scripture, to me that comes as close to what Jesus is talking about. Let your light shine. He's talking about the redemptive power that you have in recognizing that you as a child of God are blessed wherever you are, that you might then turn that into an opportunity to then shine your light to others around you. A moment of grace, a moment of love, a moment of compassion, a moment of humility, a moment of maybe even standing up for the righteousness that needs to be at hand. He's talking about the redemptive power that comes from Christ through us that we may then give to others. William Temple said it this way, the church is the only organization he can think on, on earth that exists for those who are not its members. And you may think that you don't have very much to offer, that your light doesn't shine very bright compared to the stars nowadays. You may think that you don't have very much to offer, that your light is so small and insignificant that when you see others appear to accomplish great things, and you may think that you don't have much to offer, that your light is overshadowed by powerful and mighty this world, but I tell you, in the darkness of somebody's light, the dimmest light can save. The smallest light can change a life. The overlooked light can lead you to the promised land. Those of you who have been in the darkness, you know this. You know the redemptive power of small deeds. Mired in the darkness of sorrow or depression, no one seems to care. At such time, you're aware of the fact that most people aren't even aware of what you're going through. They don't even know about you and it doesn't seem to care. You're very much aware of the isolation and the grief and the struggle and the pain. And then, then suddenly in the darkness, the phone rings, a text appears, maybe it's an email, maybe it's even old school snail mail, <laughs> or maybe there's a knock on the door. 
It's such a simple thing to the person who gives it, but not to you. And you will never forget it. It's a light coming into your darkness. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. It's the kingdom revolution at work in the world. One example of this might be this. Some of you, um, some of you may have remembered when the Great Wall separating Germany there finally came down. And well, back in 1989, um, historians look back and they believe that there's one moment that hinges the rest of what took place. Um, and to be honest, um, one historian said this about it, that if it had been an armed uprising, it would have been immortalized commemorated, we'd have statues about it, but it was a nonviolent change that dismantled an empire. It began in several places, but one main place that it began was St. Nicholas Church in Leipzig, in what was then East Germany. The demonstration began in simple prayer meetings in that churches, and the prayer meetings began to grow so large that every time after those prayer meetings, it would empty out of the church and into the square. People moved holding candles, much the way the civil rights demonstrators left the church praying and singing. As it began to grow, police tried to suppress it. They even made their presence known in the church and they would stand at the side of the pews there so that people couldn't sit down. And so people would stand all along the sides, down the nave, um, in the balconies, outside of the streets, and they would pray, and they would sing, and they'd light their candles. Um, it grew and grew until finally one night 70,000 people were gathered, filling the streets of that city, filling the main square, going down into the church. And after communion, they began to light the candles and lights began to peer all across. Um, it's uh, made such an impact, there's even a movie made out about it in St. Nicholas, and one of my favorite scenes in there, the security chief in his headquarters is overlooking the plaza in Leipzig and looked out the crowd of 70,000 people, each one of them holding a candle. And he turns to the men in the room, he says, we planned for everything. We anticipated everything except for candles. This little light of mine I'm going to let us shine. You are a city set on a hill. You are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. There's a kingdom revolution at hand, and Christ invites us into that. Amen? Amen. So, let us pray before we come to the table. Father, we know as we turn to you, for your light has shined upon our hearts. And as we open our hearts to you, the great light overwhelms us and takes us. And we sometimes think, Lord, what light do I have to offer? May we hear your words reminding us, reminding us that we are light. And then move us forward, shining that light into every crevice every alley, every hallway, every room that we find. So we may hold that candle and move it from us toward the great lighthouse. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.